0: Today's episode of Little Pod That Could is brought to you by Cisco Garcia at Honda of Salem. Uh, He is giving amazing discounts to move the leftover but brand new 2019 inventory for incoming 2020 models. If you're wanting to trade in your car or simply looking to add to your fleet, make sure you go in and ask for Cisco. Let him know I sent you to receive the special discount. He's located at Honda off of Salem Parkway. Feel free to call him at 971-218-0295 or reach out on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Cisco. Today's episode, The Little Pod That Could, uh, is pretty awesome. Jordan Carter, Man of Many Talents, he'll get into that, is on here. and You know, we were talking after the pod, and he said he was surprised at the direction the pod went. He thought it was going to be more on, like, getting your dream job and how to interview right and... Career advice, strategy, stuff like that. But um, I was more interested in the story. If you listen to the pod, you know that's kind of what I'm into. And you know, the I even the name, the little pod that could, is you know the first story I you know, the little train that could, a little engine that could was the first story I ever connected to. And um, you know, and I want to focus on stories, the power of stories, and just understanding people's stories, and through that finding lessons we can apply um, based on what you know, people's journeys. So anyway, uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and I hope you like it as well. All right, welcome to Little Pod That Could. My guest today is Jordan Carter. Um, Jordan... (sighs) does a lot of things so I don't want to limit him and and just quantify him and I'll actually let him speak for himself Jordan thanks for being here today and we're actually I guess we're at your house so thanks for letting me be here today recently remodeled yeah nice floors thanks yeah looks good all right so um you know I think one of the things I like about the podcast I get to introduce people to you know I mean obviously can't get the big name stars to come on the podcast so I get to introduce people to people that They haven't really experienced it, but still have a lot of really good stuff to share. So, um, if you could maybe tell the people a little bit about yourself.
1: I appreciate, um, that you don't oversell your Mm -hmm. guests. That's Mm -hmm. an excellent quality to have as a host. I didn't
0: mean like, I just meant, you know, like (sighs) I can't get like super famous So
1: one day when you have big stars, Mm -hmm. um, you can think. Yeah, I will. I'll be like, thanks for being on the pod.
0: What was that? We recently purchased a Roomba. Oh, The Roomba is making a podcast appearance as well. It's good.
1: (laughs) So what you love about the Roomba is you can set it to automatically turn on at a certain time. Okay. Okay. After your children go to bed. Mm -hmm, And -hmm. then you can kick your feet up, Netflix, and chill while the house Mm. gets vacuumed.
0: Okay. I
1: like it. Yeah. My life has become infinitely more interesting as a homeowner. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Anyway, so now that the ruba is taken care of, let's get back to the uh, you giving me you crap for you know underselling
1: the guests. But go Mm -hmm. ahead,
0: go ahead. Maybe tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Well, we got to know each other. We did. Okay, you were my. Well, I wanted you to be my coach because I was on the freshman team and you were the JV coach. (laughs) Yes, yes. So, in a moment of frustration and passion. I walked up to you and said, how do I get more gym time? Because mm-hmm. there was another guy who was always in the gym. Shout and I to wanted Cameron to be that guy. Yeah. And so our relationship really started when I asked you that question and you said, well, he asked. And I said, okay, well, I'm asking. And you connected me with another teacher mm-hmm. and coach who was there. And I started getting in the gym every morning. And that's really when I felt like I started finding my passion and a lot of identity uh, in athletics and on the basketball floor and then uh, had a um, just a passion for competition a passion for teamwork and collaboration and so my basketball career when my basketball career ended um, i had the opportunity to pursue a master of arts in counseling and i got passionate about interacting with people, listening, empathizing, encouraging. Um, When I realized that counseling wasn't necessarily the profession that would best suit me, I wanted to find something that would allow me to continue to listen, empathize, and encourage. And so that's when I got into the um, sales space. So I was an account manager for uh, almost two years for a local nonprofit that serves individuals with disabilities. And my job was to find places that would employ our staff. And through creating relationships in the community, I learned that I also was passionate about creating new relationships. And I kind of started to identify what outside of competition and athletics kind of lit my fire. Because once athletics was over, it was like, what's next? And I needed to find something that like could light that fire again.
0: So were you looking for a place to like still be competitive, or what was it that you were actually looking for once your hoops career was over?
1: I was looking for a space that I could find the passion that I had on the basketball floor in a professional in a work setting because that's where you spend most of your time you end up spending more time at work than with your family and with your kids because you're there 40 hours a week you know however many weeks a year and so I really was able to boil down what I appreciated most about my basketball career and that was the interactions with teammates that was working together towards a common goal Uh, that was finding a way when the odds were stacked against you, and you definitely have that in sales. Um, Then I had an opportunity to move to the fulfillment side and become a recruiter, which is a, a different version of competition. Instead of competing for clients or customers, you're competing for candidates. So you're competing for job seekers in a really tight labor market. And so that was competitive in its own way. And in that process, I got to do a lot of interviews. And in those interviews, I got a lot of opportunity for career coaching and asking really intentional behavioral questions and really getting to know people in a short as well as I possibly could in a very short amount of time. So typically 15 to 20 minutes asking it forced me to figure out what are the most valuable questions and how do I get to the information that I need to get to in the most efficient way that honors this person that helps me get to know this person. And that will allow me to help this individual to get a job. And so that started showing me that really my passion was creating life giving relationships by empathizing, encouraging and listening.
0: Hmm. Okay. So I want to, we'll circle back to that later, but I do kind of want to go back to hoop stuff for a second and just kind of talk about that. Cause I mean, that was, we have history there and there was some, I think we, we accomplished some stuff that was really, you know, I mean, if you look at that at McKay, you know, it was at the time the most economically challenged school in the city was the most, you know, culturally diverse, And it had... Persistently dangerous. Yeah, persistently dangerous. And it didn't have um, a history of success, really, in athletics. You know, our finish in the state was tied for the second best ever in school history. You know, they haven't really been close since. Um, What do you think... When you
1: look back on that time, what do you think about that time? That time was the most the fastest period of growth in the shortest amount of time probably in my life because you go from, you know, you're 15, 16, you get your license, you start getting some independence. You, when I went to the varsity team as a sophomore, maybe could have been as a freshman, still bitter.
0: Shout out to Coach Martino. (laughs) And
1: uh, when I look at that time, I just think about all the – you know, you, Martino, some of the players, um, Johnny B. Um, when I was a freshman, Greg Plater was um, and, it, you know, is a stud. And I, he really modeled for me what it looked like to put in the work and get the results.
0: And, and I kind of want to stop you there. So because I remember, you know, thinking like, wow, Carter approaches – basketball differently than everybody else and you know and that you know obviously you're put you probably wouldn't talk too much about it but you know you ended up being all state first team that year right your senior year you were in the Oregon Washington game you broke Kevin Love's turning record and single game record at the at the state tournament you know and that stuff didn't happen by accident you know you weren't 6'10 and super you know you were like just, you know, a regular guy, you know, you were athletic. I mean, take that, but like, what, what did you get from Greg? You know, you say he modeled, like, what, what was the, what were the takeaways, like, what were the specific takeaways you got from him that you applied to what you were doing?
1: Whenever you're watching somebody do what you would like to do, like he scored like 47 against Mm -hmm. Redmond Mm -hmm. and I watched him and I thought, I want to be able to do that. And so just even seeing it really fueled my fire. We were in an open gym once and I felt like I was sprinting as fast as I could on a break and he was he had the ball and was leading the break and I was on the wing and he threw a bounce pass that I thought was way too far in front of me. And he he, you know, hopped on me and said, "Hey, you got to get there." And in the moment I was like, man, you got to throw it where I am. Like, you can't throw it so far ahead of me. And that was a moment to this day, like I've looked back on and thought, you know, that ball is going to be just a little bit in front of me. And what am I doing today so that I can get there? Like, how do you stretch your, your mm-hmm. skills just a little bit? How do I work hard today so that tomorrow I can I can get there?
0: Hmm. And Greg was doing a lot of that, too. You know, he was in the gym early. He was finding a way to get in the gym all the time in the morning. And he was making – I remember when he was playing for Martino, if I had morning practice, he would show up there to shoot around, you know. And you had a lot of that same thing in the summer. You know, you train with Noza and you know i i put that call out to everybody else on the team too you know what i mean i wasn't like i just said hey carter go train with noza if you want like i put that call out and consistently you were the one that showed up so I, I when i look at that i'm like that there's something special and different you know about that what what do you think was the driving force for you like you know the majority of guys your age were playing call of duty probably at that point or halo something in that range like what what was it that kind of motivated you to continue to like stay disciplined and do those things to make sure you were trying to reach the goals you were trying to reach hoops wise.
1: It's hard to put your finger on like a single thing other than when I was growing up, you know I was a kid in the driveway trying to be uh Damon Stademeyer trying to be you know, Rashid Wallace trying to be, and then from there, like, I just saw people like who were where I wanted to be in real life. So
0: yeah, but a lot of people want things like, but they're not willing to, you know, like Joe Lewis said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Like, how, what was it? Was there any, like, how did you convince yourself to keep doing the work when you were the only one, you know, that was, willing to do that you know what i mean like i know you were, you ended up becoming close with noza and so that was easier because you know you like to hang out with him but like still you were going in a hot gym by yourself you know on you know on a during the summer like what was it that pushed you to keep doing that do you think uh, it's kind of what i try to do right
1: oh my gosh
0: it's tough One one thing i've noticed from talking to people that are successful is one they don't always see themselves as like successful because it's kind of what they've always done and so when I try to like tease out the habits and the traits about them that they're doing that make them specifically successful they don't really know because it's like well it's what I've always done and so it's hard for them to like step back and look and see so I think that's probably some of what's happening because it's like you weren't looking you weren't like, what is my motivation today? You just got up and went and trained, you know, but it's like, were you really focused on the habits or was there, you know, someone that was pushing you or like, what was the driving force? Cause there had to be some sort of motivation behind, I'm willing to give up my free
1: time to go work, you know? It's a deep question. Sure. Sure. I'm fueled by emotion. Like I make all decisions with my heart and with my gut. Okay. And when I look back and I'm trying to like, I'm I'm kind of getting like a wave of emotion. And like when I look back and think about what how I made a decision, I don't like you're feeling I don't emotional hear, about it right now. Yeah. Okay. Like I don't hear thoughts. Mm. I feel hmm. like I I'm I remember in feeling. I don't really remember in like What's some people feeling? can some people can like tell you some people can tell you what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what I was feeling.
0: Okay. What were you
1: feeling? A desire to succeed regardless of the circumstances. Mm. So like it didn't matter what was going on at home, it didn't matter if it was raining and I was 15 and I had to walk, like it didn't Mm -hmm. matter because I was going to be the best I could be how I, how I knew I, you know, in whatever way I knew how. So for Mm -hmm. instance, when I first started, when you first hooked me up and got me in the gym, Mm -hmm. I was shooting by myself. I didn't have any shooting coaching. Mm -hmm. My form wasn't great. I was literally shooting, chasing the ball down, shooting. And as a high school kid, you were getting up at, You were getting there at what time, 6? I had to be there at the door at 6, and he he told me, and understandably so, like, if you're here at 6, awesome. If you're not, I'm walking in. See ya. So I usually got there at, like, 545 and, like, layered up and was in the cold and rain, and there really wasn't a dry spot with the the way McKay's built. Mm -hmm. So I would just – there was one light, and I would stand in the light because it was a little scary in that neighborhood, Mm -hmm. like, being just out there alone, and so – Now I wouldn't be afraid But like then I was like Sure Man this is Kind of scary And
0: so okay So I guess that like Further illustrates my point Because I'm trying to put Myself even like Today 40 year old self Like what would What would motivate me To Get up that early Like bundle up in clothes Stand out in the rain And just do that every day To go do something That wasn't really that fun Like it wasn't like Oh I get to go in the gym And shoot by myself This is going to be so much fun You know so I look at that and go, what is it that that makes Jordan Carter do that versus, you know, I didn't see anyone else there, layered and bundled up. And I'm not I'm not saying anything else like, oh, those guys should have been. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying like, I want to focus on what was it that that was the driving force
1: to do that. So something I've learned about myself recently is that uh, my personality and what drives me is all emotions-based, and so something I'm learning is that my default is to, like, run from fear and pain and spend as much time as I can in joy, and that's an Enneagram thing that I recently learned, which is a little nerdy, but, like, I, when I look back and you talk about it, I think of how I hate to lose the fear of failure, but not fear like I... Like I'm, I think I'm going to fail. So I'm going to do everything I can to not, but like just thinking I will not fail. Like I will do whatever I can to maximize the space I'm in. And then when I got with Nozo, like I actually started training in Mm -hmm. smart ways and my gains were like, you know, I wish I would have done that, had the opportunity a little earlier because it was. Sure. Yeah. I remember you watching you one time in the game. I was like,
0: Oh I saw him do that when he was training with Nose, that very exact thing he's doing. But, um, okay, interesting. So, and hmm, I kind of, I may want to circle back to that later. That was that was interesting. You all right, or what? I didn't know. I didn't know I was going to feel so much. Well, what, what's going on? Like, what are you feeling? Like, like you happy or, like, confused? Like, what is going on with you right now?
1: You always, whenever you look back, you think you could have done more or hmm. you could have. Like are you regretting it? Are you like, man, I wish I had done more? I always think I could have done more. Hmm. So that's why, that's what fuels me today to try to maximize the space I'm in hmm. and the job opportunities and the career path and the extra side hustle things mm-hmm. is like, if I, there's somebody else who's doing more yeah, and like, I need, I need and want to be on track so that i can
0: but if that's like how you're feeling you know now like why is this conversation
1: like stirring up some kind of emotions around that right now well because i don't always get asked mm. about to express it sure normally i can just feel it kind of talk myself like all right you know what you're you're doing enough for now mm-hmm and what could you do tomorrow? And then I think about something I can do the next day and then I try to do that. Because oftentimes these feelings are happening like in transition, like on my way to work, on my way home from work, after mm-hmm. I put Finn down and there's a little bit of quiet and then I'm thinking, what could I be doing to set myself and my family up for the most success that I can achieve in the time I have? Hmm. Okay. And uh
0: one thing, you know, when I think about you, too, because I think it's it's been cool for me to see how you've developed over time, you know, when I first met you, I wouldn't say that you were a super uh, confident person, but you have kind of developed into that over time, like, you know, I mean, you were probably a little socially awkward when you were younger, you know, like, how did you develop your sense of confidence,
1: Another question that's hard to put your finger on. Uh, I don't have like a playbook, but when I look back, it was people in my life who provided me the support and validation. So I had great coaches, um, Martino who really pushed me, you who really pushed me. And then whenever there was a hard push, like we're talking about how I'm doing something and I need to – I have to be better, there was always – Love that came with that. So it was never like, you know, you're terrible at this and you just leave it at that. It's, hey, this is where you had a rough time. You could not stay in front of this guy. You have to be better. Here's what we're going to do to, you know, help you move your feet laterally more efficiently. So there was always like love with that. And then when you start building little successes, like you get the first, you put in the work and then you get the first success and then you get the next success. And then it starts. You start seeing a little bit of a snowball effect.
0: What was the first sign? Sorry to cut you off there, but what was you? You'll just you bring up stuff, and going, oh, I want. I want to. What was the first sign for of success for you, where you were like, okay, this is working. Like, what was it? Do you remember when you were when you felt that for the first time? Like, okay, this is working.
1: One of the big moments where it was results oriented was my sophomore year. I had a thirty point game against North. And that was the first time on a basketball court where I felt like I could, what I wanted to make happen, I could then make happen. So if I wanted to get to the hoop, I could make a dribble move, not dribble off my foot, and get to the hoop um, after training with Noza. So that was one of the first results-oriented moments. And then I remember in practice, there was a guy, Johnny B, who would really push me. He was always guarding me. Uh, aggressively and always in me and kind of hip check in and would kind of hold and grab and was Mm -hmm. just he's the guy you have to have on your team like you love that guy when he's on your team you're so happy a real Pat Beverly Mm kind of defender just tenacious and uh, when I first was able to like start blowing by him and like getting him to guess wrong like he would jump to the way I would inside out cross and I'd counter and I'd blow by And those little moments, like you get one and then you're like, oh, I can do this again. And then you get another one, you know, and you have setbacks and he'd pick me and, you know, he'd body me and he'd get in front of me. And but you start they just start building and then you start realizing, oh, I got to do more of this or now I have to add a double move. And now I have to figure out how to shoot a sidestep or a step back if they are able to stay in front and make them wrong, you know, make the defense wrong no matter what. So it's just little successes that, like, build until you have that moment to shine.
0: Hmm. And what's your – give me your favorite individual accomplishment from that time and then your favorite team – not really accomplishment, but, like, the favorite team memory you have. From sophomore year?
1: No, from your entire – Basketball? Like, high school?
0: High school, yeah.
1: My favorite moment was winning the Beaverton game against a team that some people thought was more talented than us. And they were, had lots, a six, lots of people thought that. <laughs> well, they, they may not have been wrong, but they had a 6'10 guy who ended up playing Division one basketball mm-hmm. and was a very good player. Mm-hmm. They had another guy who ended up going to Western. Um, their point guard was really athletic and had um, a bunch of college looks. And the way our team battle no matter what when we were down late in the fourth and we were down in overtime it, it literally didn't we just kept playing the same way the whole game and we ended up being tougher not necessarily being more talented but just being tougher
0: that atmosphere was crazy too like the gym was
1: just it's my favorite game of yeah my entire that, was, career. that was when major hit that
0: three it was like oh my gosh this is incredible
1: the best part was like, i feel like the announcer talked a little bit about that almost as if it, he was surprised and like major done that all year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just but in was that always moment ready for his and moment. Like the... The pressure of
0: that With that I mean that crowd I mean And when you were going Back and forth with Davis I mean it was just That was a, that was an incredible game That was my highlight What about your individual
1: What individual achievement you? Were you the most stoked about Me and you sat down And set goals And I set goals like I want to be first team all league And you said I think you want to be Player of the year And I said okay And then you said Like I think you want to be First team all state and like why having was I making so- my, why was I making your goals for you? Having someone in your life, who who provides you the context of what's possible, sure. when you don't maybe aren't aware of it or don't believe in it, or you just feel like you know what first team would be so amazing, and then someone says, "I think you can." That would be cool, but I think what about this? Like, mm-hmm. could you do a little better? Could you reach a little further? Could you work a little harder? And I genuinely believe without that level of support, I would not have been able to dream big enough to make it happen. Hmm.
0: I'm not really trying to get you to like talk good about me. I promise. Like, it's just <laughs> like Carter, tell me how good of a job I did. I have a ton uh, of gratitude. So, okay. Um, let's do, I want, I kind of want to transition into some other stuff, like maybe more present day <laughs> stuff. Um, how do you organize and prioritize your days? So right now you're working a lot of hours, you know, you're crazy. You're trying to build some side hustle stuff going on. You've got a family, you've got a little one right now, one on the way, a wife. Like how do you manage, how do you, first of all, how do you organize your days and how do you prioritize with the stuff that you have every day?
1: Is this a lighter question that you have a deep question no coming next no i'm looking for like <laughs> i feel like i'm coming up for air here i love it no i mean i i i didn't i mean i wasn't trying
0: to get deep i was just asking this is questions. how all our conversations yeah go. oh 100 like i mean this is just a recorded version of how we always <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey how was that star wars movie hey i have this deep emotional yeah, right? thing i need to Right, talk about. yes um you yeah. so one game changer that's happened for my wife and i is we have a shared family calendar and anytime that somebody adds something to that, it shoots you It essentially kind of looks like an email and it's in your inbox on your calendar. So are you using an app for that? Or yeah. You use Google well, it's, it's the iPhone calendar, but Google calendar does the same thing. Okay. If you invite someone to the event. So there's okay. a variety of calendars. They all operate the same way. Okay. You basically just share the calendar. Um, and that has helped. That has been a game changer for us because I frequently will have something come up at work and I put it on my work calendar uh-huh. and... That might happen at 9 a.m. And then by 6 p.m. when I'm home or whenever I get home, I forget. And then I have to leave early the next day, which is, uh, you know, affects her because that means she needs to be up earlier with Finn or um, whatever the case may be. So putting things in a shared calendar has been huge for us as a family. Uh, And then at the end of my workday, I take 15 minutes. And this is more recent, but it's been another valuable practice i take 15 minutes to look at what's coming next make a to-do list for the next day and then and this is right after work this is like well this might be like at 4:45, or whenever 15 minutes before you're, at the end of your work day and make a little to-do list so that when you come in in the morning if you've had like a stressful morning or if um, you're not a morning person or if you're like me and you aren't in love with administrative tasks. That's when I do all my paperwork. So I do like my paperwork to do list. And then that way I just come in the next day, get rocking and rolling. And then, cause eventually like fires come up and you have to take care of, you know, more pressing things. And somebody comes in to make a complaint. You need to go meet with them like today. And you know, it's just a constant like meeting, you know, um, what about workouts, meal prep, stuff like that? Terrible. I'm terrible.
0: Okay. Right now. So you I'm, don't have a strategy for that. Right now.
1: I don't really eat breakfast or lunch regularly. So you're, in, not you're intermittent well. fasting unintentionally. I'm intermittent fasting. That's what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> I'm in, I'm unintentionally intermittent fasting. Okay. Uh, and then for workouts, I do band and body weight typically two to three times a week. And then I play basketball once a week.
0: Like, are you making time for that stuff though? Is yep. that built into your calendar?
1: Nope. Not built into my calendar. I wake up early on days where I don't have morning, early morning meetings. Okay. So it is kind
0: of built into your calendar then.
1: It is, yeah. Like So sometimes I have to be in the office at 7 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I don't, depending on the week and the need and what my team's doing. I see. So on any day where I'm not in the office early, I try to do a resistance band workout or bodyweight workout. Okay. Um,
0: you were talking about starting a vlog and maybe a podcast. Um, why aren't you doing that?
1: This is an excellent time to bring that up, Kevin. I know. I I didn't call you coach. I called you Kevin. This might be the first time ever. Yeah. So I would like to start that Mm -hmm. very soon. Mm. I actually got some feedback on my idea today. Mm. Instead of doing a $20 item Mm -hmm. per week, could I be more creative and think about ways I could do kind of like a live and large? So like... Well, okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna talk specifically
0: about the idea, I already know what the idea is, but anybody listening doesn't. So they're like, "What does it mean, twenty dollar idea?" So explain your original concept first. Sounds like
1: I have some areas for growth in this mm-hmm. in this field. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and please tell me, please tell the audience what the original working title of this podcast was, or vlog, whatever it was. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so Continue. if you want to come
1: on. The little pod that could. (laughs) You might get grilled. You might. It might happen. It Uh, really might happen. So my original name was going to be Reasonable Indulgences. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which sounds like a romance novel. Sounds like a line of
0: bad perfume. (laughs)
1: honestly like it could
0: be potential chocolates in yeah a heart-shaped box i mean it sounds like a lot of things but okay anyway so tell me about reasonable <laughs> indulgences tell me what that was going to look like
1: uh so i do not get any joy from items i don't get any joy from gifts i am i live in experiences and in the moment and so i would like to make some intentional practices to get better at enjoying items and gifts. My wife loves gifts. It's one of her love languages, words and gifts. And the joy it brings her when she gets a gift is amazing. And I get like almost negative 10 because I am selfishly thinking about like, what kind of money did we spend on this? And wish I would have invested it. And like, I'm almost, it's almost, you know, something I have to work through as an issue because like I got, like when I get birthday money, a lot of times like I'll buy a stock or like when I get 300 bucks from helping somebody move, I bought 300 bucks of Disney stock. Like it's almost becomes like a problem and then you forget, like you leverage some pleasure now, right, for later gains and I almost get a high off that, like a real genuine emotional high and I wanna be able to do both. I think there's value in both. And I, I tend to live in extremes and I'd love to find some intentional ways to to be more present in the now. So the idea would be buying once a week or once a month, whatever cadence seemed natural or sustainable based on, you know, life. Buy one item for 20 bucks and basically kind of do a, why this makes my life better and what I enjoy about the product. And um, so one idea, like really simple stuff like, my mother-in-law always comes here and uh, we always have a little bit of wine and oh it's so I love it like I love having a glass of wine and I would serve it to her in mason jars or a regular water glass and that was a problem for her she was like you have to have wine glasses I'm like why like it all drinks the same she's like no this is an experience like you don't just you know you're not just guzzling it you are going to enjoy this and so buying wine glasses and a Little bit nicer bottle of wine, and then you know, talking about it. Or you know, Gary Vee did that on his, you know, not quite like that, but it could be an item where, um, like, honestly, how often does my phone die? I could buy a $20 portable charger. Like, I want to try to steer clear from practical, but my buddy suggested that you could have way more fun doing something like living large, where you take a reasonable sum of money. And I would have to put a limit on it to some extent because I would want, I want this to be applicable to everyone or at least a large audience. So like not a $3,000 trip or like, but something like, all right, for two fifty, what could we, what kind of crazy adventure could we have? So that is something I'm going to look into mapping. Like what might that look like to think a little bigger, dream a little bigger. I
0: said, I thought even with the $20 idea, it'd be kind of fun to do like a bigger, better thing. Like what, like yeah. What kind of
1: thing, yep. you know, but yeah. Okay. I agree. I Well, I think you could do both mm-hmm. sure. in the same context. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think there's a lot of people who have a little bit of walking around money who could have more fun and I could be a catalyst for that. What do you do for fun? I don't do a okay. lot. Okay. Of... That's, what, that's what
0: I figured. Okay, so now back to why you're not doing this. So you have a good idea. Lots of people verify that the idea is good. It's
1: my first one that lots of people have verified it's good. Right. I've had so, lots.
0: So instead of taking action and like really moving that, the needle on that, it seems like there isn't much going on. Is there am I missing something or you know, is there something happening in the background I don't
1: know about
0: or what's going on with that?
1: Uh, you know, Kevin, I think it's about time we, you know, hop on this. So I mean I yeah, have challenge accepted. I've been
0: saying this for about probably two and a half weeks now. So I've been waiting just even (laughs) for like the pilot. Like I set my phone up and recorded myself so I could start getting over the awkwardness of talking on camera and and all that. And I just still have, it just seems like nothing has materialized. So I was just checking in. I just wanted to see what was going on. I appreciate the check-in. Yeah, Yeah. sure. We're in the works. Okay. We're in
1: development. We're in
0: R&D. All right. Um, And then. Cause you know, we were talking kind of about this other side business you were working on with your friend and you, you kind of were talking some Gary V stuff, like you got to become a media company that tells the story of this, of your business really. So how do you see that working? Because I mean, he's big on like personal brand, like everything is a brand anyway, you know? And one thing I'm learning is, you know, like through the podcast, like you'll look And, you know, even like my best episodes, like a hundred listens, you know what I mean? It's not like some massive audience, but, you know, I mean, I think about like Rogan and Bill Simmons. I've been listening to those guys for like 10 years, you know, and before that I was reading Bill Simmons columns, you know, and it takes a while to get people to understand your perspective and how you think about things and really actually care about what you have to say. Like if I do a podcast talking about Disney plus and the Mandalorian, like it's going to take a while before people even care about why I, you know, what I think about that. So how do you approach personal branding, marketing, you know, like when you apply that filter to like this other business, if you're trying to start something with your friend or this podcast that you're doing, like, what's your, what's your thinking on personal branding and
1: then how do you see what's your strategy for playing that out? I don't have a super developed strategy, so I would leverage people I know, like you, who have a lot of skills, and uh, um, I wouldn't go that far. The area who have some skills, developing okay. skills. Okay, there you go. Emerging. That's, yeah, you're an emerging. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Talent. That's better. And so I would, I would basically, I, would, I always just find people who are better than me, figure okay. out what they're doing, and and try to do that. So you're trying to
0: find the Greg Plater in this space. Yep. Okay. That makes
1: sense. Yep. Because here's the funny thing about life, right? Like, you can. People say you can't make money real estate investing in a high real estate market. And yet there are people in Washington, D.C., one of the hottest markets, who are making a killing. They just find the way to do it. So you can make money in those markets by utilizing Section 8 vouchers. So individuals who have government support, who need housing, and now they can live in these markets that they couldn't live in previously. Like there's always a way. So, you just have to figure out what's the way in your area, what's the way in that space. So, in this space, it's cars. So, that's a niche market. So, we can already dive into, you know, narrow down like what we're talking about, right? It's not gonna be like, hey, it's living large, these random things we do. It's gonna be, you know, specific to that topic. And then he has a ton of connections in the car space. And so, just strategically interviewing people who have awesome car stories doing car reviews providing value um regarding like how to flip uh he has an amazing flip story so like like there's a lot of different interviews we in about. cars you do, like, yeah like and coffee cars. yeah i think we could yeah sort of with espresso. funny people with funny people i have never been accused of being funny so i don't feel like that'll be i can vouch for that i don't think that'll be a <laughs> i don't think that'll be an issue but i think that I'm not interested in an in overnight success anyway sure. because like I'm passionate about real estate investing. My uncle owned three rental properties. My first quote unquote job was maintaining his properties. My goal was to own three rental properties and my own house because that's what he did. And I saw what that did for his uh, long-term wealth building and the real value, especially if you're somebody who doesn't have a ton of cash, to like buy properties, cash right out of the gate, is in the appreciation. So if you're going to start in an industry where the value is in the appreciation, you're already in a 30-year game. Mm-hmm. So I see people who are where I want to be, and most of them didn't get there at 28. Right. Most of them got there you know, after putting in the time. And so I completely expect to have to put in the time. I think the floor is that me and my buddy have a good time hanging out talking about cars. And I think the ceiling is that we're able to leverage an audience into a variety of long-term opportunities, like car dealership. Like, um, you know, there's a app right now called Fair that's allowing you, that's totally changing the car game. That allows you to lease a car, um, all from an app. The yeah. whole thing is from an app.
0: I don't know where I heard it, but I heard that they were predicting that sometime in the future, that the percent of people that even own a car is going to be like. Correct. Way down.
1: So could we leverage this audience to start a business like that? Mm-hmm. I think there's everybody's just repackaging a way to buy the same thing. I don't know. You still have it you still have access to a car. Elon Musk
0: just put out that cyber truck today. That seems to it's amazing. the same
1: thing though. If we all have cyber trucks, then people will figure out how to make money off selling. It's true. Like it's all it all boils down to commodities and finding someone who will sell it for a little less and someone who will buy it for a little more. Mm-hmm no matter what it is, houses, cars, services. okay, And so you just have to get really good at creating those relationships, maintaining those relationships, mm-hmm. and then propositioning your product that you do it a little bit better than the people around you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to dominate the world. You need to dominate your backyard and then go from there.
0: Right. And so when you're saying, though, building relationships, do you see any of that happening online? Because I did, I was actually having this conversation with this uh, business owner that I just met. He was talking about how He doesn't really use social media because he believes kind of in the power of the personal relationship, which I mean, there's, I think there's value in that too, but I think there's too much of like either, or, you know, like I'm either the personal relationships or I'm social media. And I think it's a both end, you know, that there's, there's power in building attention at
1: scale using social media. hundred percent. So if there is a free marketing platform that costs your time and energy, and not lots of money, and you use that to gain validity. Why wouldn't you utilize that? So what I foresee, two ways. That's a good so, question. Why, so you, why wouldn't
0: you utilize that? But anyway, continue. You could.
1: Well, I'm just saying, like you could. Yeah. Per, shot. <laughs> keep shot going. received. Keep going. Sorry. Shot absorbed. You keep going. All right. Jeez. Um, I know. Floyd Mayweather I, is coming out of retirement. Uh, You're throwing jabs that's tonight. True. Uh. So what I foresee is like, let's say we. I think that we'll have more success locally long term. If we were able to scale larger than that, it would have to happen obviously through relationships, but in large part I think because of having a an online presence. And so if you have the social media content, the online presence to back what you're doing, after a meeting what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to if you didn't google me before, you're going to google me after. Sure. And if I have all that there to increase my validity of my product of my quality of my success stories of my then awesome. So I'm going to generate leads and sales online and in relationship. And sometimes my relationship is going to lead them to online or my online is going to really to relationship and, and it all works together.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the big things I've been saying is I've been trying to tell people that the content they're producing online is going to end up being almost like an online portfolio. Like, and I don't know how many jobs, it's not so much like, um, like state jobs or whatever, but i like, when I, if I apply for a job at sticker mule or I apply for a job somewhere, they're asking for like, give us samples of what you're doing online. If you, if you say you can market online, show us what you can do. They're not asking for what college did you go to or, you know, which firm have you worked in? They're like, okay, well, show me what you can do. You know, what's the, what's your LinkedIn handle? Like, where are you blogging? Like, What's your YouTube channel? Like they're really looking at that stuff. And so if you, if they go there and you just started it two a day ago, because you <laughs> applied for that job, that tells a different story than if they can go and see on your LinkedIn that you've been posting blog posts about different topics for the last year, you know? And so I, I definitely, I see what you're saying there. And I, I agree with that. And I think that content creation still in the business world is not getting the respect that it deserves, you know and it's still people still kind of see social media as the thing that middle school girls do you know and they don't understand that there's so much opportunity and that like when it's crazy to me because like when they get done with their job they get on their phones when they're at their house they're on their phones yet then when you talk about needing to advertise via social media they're like oh well that's nonsense you know it doesn't make any sense so anyway I'm rambling now but I'm just saying all that to say I agree with what you're saying
1: so I think it's also important to identify Gary Vism, like underpriced market right so like I I may not be the smartest guy in basketball but I probably of all the topics in my life I probably know the most about basketball why would I not start a basketball podcast because there are a million out there and there's a lot of people who are amazing at them. And although I think I have a lot of knowledge, I don't know that I could present in a way that would make me competitive in that space. And the crazy thing is,
0: like, if you wanted to, like, leverage that knowledge, you could use it in the
1: car pod, you know, like whatever space yep. you're in. Yeah. So what I did with the car uh, podcast idea is I looked up all the local dealerships, all of them on social media. They basically invest zero time in it. I'm talking about like 300 followers or less. At the point we would be able to gain a follow, like, so the bar is low, the competition is low. Mm -hmm. So at the point we were able to have a thousand, three thousand. Let's you know, let's say it goes really well and we have ten thousand. They'll never be able to catch up because the next platform will come out, and we'll already have the content. We'll already be pros or at least developing pros at creating it. And they maybe they can pay a media company to do theirs, but they're not going to have that built-in audience that can go from platform to platform to some extent. They can go from... So when I looked at that space, I was literally in a meeting dying of boredom because the individual who was speaking was not engaging. And I started I got inspired because my buddy's business is starting to take off a little bit and I said like we need to ride this we need to start telling the story we need to talk about it and he's a guy really always you know thought I you know we could work together and that's when I just started looking up all the competition in social media and figured out there's none and figured out if there was a way that we could build an audience and at some point if we wanted to leverage an app that locally sold cars with zero friction zero sales and you literally bought it showed up You know, you somebody dropped you Ubered in, and you drove away with it. Or maybe we do something like fair, because there's going to be a ton of competition in that space. Whatever we do, if we have the audience and the marketing, we would be able to leverage. It's just like Zillow. Okay, so you're gonna get started, right?
0: Yep. Okay. You're gonna help me, right? I'm down. Okay. I've been down from the get. Okay. Uh. So now kind of
1: circling back to some other topic who inspires you a lot of people inspire me I feel like I'm constantly finding new people who inspire me right
0: now then who's inspiring you
1: Uh, recently I've been inspired by Bob Goff he is an evangelist who has the same personality type as me has a lot of yep loved us has a lot of desire and drives I've been working uh, with noza on a dream big curriculum and I really do feel like what you put out and put effort towards is what oftentimes you can eventually get back. So on there, I put buy a house, um, change jobs, uh, get into a job where I'm you know able to have a little bit more freedom and enjoy uh, enjoyment from my work. And two of those strings, ha- two of those three things happen within the next three months. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't have if I wouldn't have sure. put them down on the paper. But what I am saying is. I started making when I put that down, I then started making intentional choices in my life to make those things come true. So whether you call it self-fulfilling prophecy, whether you call it faith or fate, I believe if you're working, you're getting closer to that goal than further. And if you're not, you know, you're not you're getting further in my opinion. I'm either getting further or closer. I don't really believe in the middle. So now, you know, I believe it was a God thing, but I also believe that, you know, I was working towards an opportunity was presented to buy a duplex and it like every door open that needed to open, like the, the money we needed to get together, the financing, the loan program we were able to get that allowed us to do conventional instead of FHA. So that allowed us to get a better interest rate. It allowed us to put only put 5% down and it allowed us to still have an FHA option for the next property. So ton, like it was, it was a miracle. Uh, and then the new job, same thing. Like there was, uh, an executive director who I had interviewed with and she didn't hire me. Um, and she told me like, we had to go internal cause that's what we do here. Uh, but you know, you're our best external candidate and we'd love to have you, you know, let's stay in touch. And we, and a year later I got hired on there and she called me and she's like, I think it's time to come home. Yeah. And, and that happened like all that happened. I, we bought the house in on July 2nd and I started there on July 15th. And those were two of my three dream big goals. And at the time, I didn't think buying a house was really realistic. realistic. And at the time, switching jobs was really challenging because I was able to competitively work into an income that didn't match my experience. So when I was applying for jobs, I was getting screened out by years of experience, like on the MQs, on the minimum requirements. And I, I believe that most of the time I was not having a human see my resume. Or I was having like an administrative assistant screen me for years of experience. And once I was able to get connected, that didn't matter. Cause this lady knew me and she knew my ability and she knew my experience and she knew my skill set. Okay. Uh what's your best character
0: trait and how how did you develop and how do you continue to
1: hone it and What's funny about my best character trait is the one I would say that it is, it isn't. So, like, I feel like I'm really self-aware, but sometimes I project what I want to be and not what I am. And I'm really starting to sit back into... Which,
0: if that, if you were looking at that from a meta level, that would be really self-aware. Like, if you're... If Maybe you're projecting who you want to be, not who you are. The awareness that you were doing that would be actually really self aware. But anyway. Okay.
1: So, for instance, I am passionate about business and I want to be a killer in business. Like, I want to crush it. Mm-hmm. Yet, every time I do a personality test, every time I evaluate what space I'm happiest in, it's not crushing it or being a cold blooded killer or like Mamba mentality. Like, I want to have a Mamba mentality, but it's not. It doesn't come naturally. It's not who I am. It's not when I'm happiest. So what I want to project is like so. For instance, I recently wrote my personal mission statement, and that was a huge moment for me because I'd been in trainings and conferences where I was asked to do that, and I just I wouldn't do it because so I was like, this is dumb, like whatever, like I'm here, I'm working hard. I I after basketball ended, I genuinely didn't understand what I was supposed to do next besides work hard. And so I literally was just trying to find a place that allowed me to be rewarded for hard work. And I, I was lucky enough to get in there. It was a huge blessing. And so when I started understanding that I'm most alive when I'm creating and engaging in relationship, when I'm listening, empathizing and encouraging and talking to <laughs> like, that's when I was most alive. And so I think my, mo- my biggest character trait that brings value to my life and the people around me is enthusiasm.
0: It's weird though, because couldn't that be applied to crushing in
1: business? Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. All right. But the problem the problem is when you think you're a high D, like a driver, like somebody who's just gonna get after it. And then you're sitting across from a person and you have a conversation and three hours goes by and you didn't realize it and that's when you feel most alive, and then you go crush it, which I was able to do just out of willpower. And then I didn't feel the same as I felt when I was engaging with people. And so I figured out like, what's more important to me. And that's when I really started to shift. Like I, I thought I want to be an executive director as quickly as possible. Like I want to be an executive director or a VP or like on my way by like 30. Like I just want to drive, 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 drive. And now I'm looking at life thinking I might want to be more of a consultant. I might want to be more, of an individual who comes alongside rather than that driver. And you can do that in, in the executive director role. You can't, I mean, I'm not saying you can't, but I'm starting to learn like maybe my, maybe where I'm happiest isn't necessarily where I, where I'm top dog or where I'm maybe where I'm happiest is when I'm the catalyst for growth, when I'm coming alongside, when I'm teaching, training, engaging, interviewing, and I'm starting to learn that there's so many ways in business to make that level of money in other more creative ways. Hmm. Okay.
0: What uh what are you the most frustrated about with yourself right now?
1: A lot of things. Uh right now, I'm most frustrated with my inability to enjoy the present. So, as I've had more success professionally, I've been having a harder time enjoying it because when you go up a level, it's really cool for like three months, six months, however long it lasts for you. And then if you're not careful, all you can think about is like the next level. And so you need to be able to balance wanting to continue to grow with enjoying where you're at. So for instance, I am 10 to 20 years younger than my peers in both spaces I'm working in. And when I come across as super ambitious or say something like, you know, this, you know, it might come up like, hey, what do you want to do? Where are you trying to go? And they almost look at me like, who you think you are? Like, you, you haven't put in the time, you haven't put in the work, you haven't busted your chops and they're not wrong. And so like just remembering to be like, okay, I am having success. And just because I'm not at the next level already doesn't mean I'm failing. It just means I'm working towards it. And so I really feel called right now, and it's ironic that it's Thanksgiving, but I really felt last night a call to enter kind of a season of Thanksgiving. And so I shared with you that I deleted all the business podcasts from my phone and I'm just going to I downloaded Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers. Awesome. Incredible. So good. I'm loving it.
0: I've already talked about on the pod how good it is. But that's good.
1: It's expanding my perspective on the human condition, understanding how we communicate. He's the best. He's amazing. And so really entering a season of like being present in the moment, um, I just started investing in stocks for the first time, um, which, you know, everybody has opinions on, but I'm in love with it. And like being patient in that space is advantageous and I'm struggling to be patient so I'm struggling to be patient in my career growth and I'm struggling to be patient and I'm finding that that's creating a lot of dissatisfaction. And so trying to figure out where, what spaces do I really enjoy, trying to put myself in those spaces at work because you can create, not your dream job may not exist. There may not be a job out there that's your dream job, but you can create attributes of what you want to do in the job you have. So if I'm meeting all my requirements at work, if I'm hitting my goals and my metrics, I can spend more time doing the things I enjoy. I can create a training. I can do one-to-ones. I can, but if we're not hitting those things, then I'm constantly putting out fires. So I'm trying to build a department that is amazing, you know, collaborative, working together, but also allowing me time to spend with people. Hmm.
0: Okay. What's the uh, best book or podcast that you've consumed in the last year?
1: The best book. I only audiobook right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Um that's so what talking to concern. strangers. Talking to strangers is up there. Okay. Um I mean the only other one is um um Bob Goff's Devotionals is the only other book. So I'm really bad about reading because I work so much and read well, so much read. at work. I said consumed. So a Bob Goff Devotional and uh and talking to strangers and then podcast i for pleasure revisionist history by malcolm gladwell my mind was blown about the teacup boston teacup party um a variety he he highlights a variety of stories Uh, what i love about him is because i think partly because he's canadian he comes from a really unbiased political viewpoint so he really just tells like it is and it was and i love that because i feel like I'm just, we're just kind of like being assaulted by political skewed information. And I just love, like, here's the facts and here's what happened. And I like the fact that he will, like, make a point, back it up with science,
0: and then tell a story to, like, illustrate it. I mean, it's so good. It's amazing. (laughs) So good. I wish I could communicate like him. I know. He's so good. I'm striving to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What about the best purchase under $100 you've made recently?
1: Ha! Best purchase under a hundred dollars was my earphones i got bluetooth earphones for the okay. first time and okay. going wireless i'll never go back
0: okay okay did you get not airpods though they were like... no
1: i'm i again i don't get any joy from items so okay. i bought 30 30 sony okay. headphones they work great and you love them i love them okay and then the last like kind
0: of semi-serious question is what, uh, it's tough because it's like, maybe not like I, the question was, what's the most meaningful lesson you've ever been taught, but it's mostly like, what, what's what, when you think back on your life, like what are maybe a couple life lessons you learned that have really helped shape who you are? Yeah, no. Steve,
1: oh my god. I told gosh. you
0: the next one's about what you watch on YouTube. So don't worry. Like this is the last. Life lessons? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's okay. Tough. How do you do this without dead
0: air? I don't know. Well, this dead is air. good. That's what I want. Like, I mean, I want people to be... Because what I think the value in podcasting, one of the things I really liked was the fact that if you do it right, it's just we're having a conversation, we're just recording it, you know? And, you know, you and I talk about this kind of stuff all the time anyway, so... You know, this would be something that we would talk about at some point. You know, so I don't know. I mean, I I like the fact that we're talking about things that people don't talk about on a date. You know, in, in their average interactions. You know, like when I see. People,
1: well, this is an average
0: interaction for us. It is. It is. It is. But like, you know, I I do try because I think you know part of the value of podcasts is you get to learn about other people, and if I can ask questions that they're not normally asking or being asked, like they're, they're going to give more meaningful answers, you
1: know? So anyway, do you want to circle back? Do you need some time to think about it? No, I, no, I just, I don't like connecting. So have you heard, um, oh, there's a book called the prophet and I can't remember who wrote it, but the author says from the exact same well that you draw your joy, you draw your sorrow. So, the deeper the well, the more capacity for joy and when you talk about life lessons, I connect to people and I connect to my world through pain and that gives me a a gauge for joy right so because I move through the world with feeling and emotion, I end up thinking about a life lesson and it it hits a an emotional cord that makes me have a lot of feelings that I tend to experience and then, and then not, not look back on them very often. So I know, I I know there's value in that because I'm just somebody who wants, if I'm not moving forward, I'm moving backwards. Okay. And so I try to take, I try to feel it learn from it and then And then move on and then make decisions. Yeah. And move on. But not in a not in a unhealthy bury them way. In a in a okay, this is what I'm experiencing. This is this is where I'm at. And what do I need to do so that I, you know, I'm in a more positive space the next time? Because a lot of a lot of life lessons happen because you you know you may have done something and now you're having to fix it. And so you learn. Okay, what do I need to do so that I'm not in this situation again? So if I was to say, if I was to say a life lesson, um, learning how to start habits now that will help me be ready for opportunities in the future. So for instance, when we had the opportunity to buy this duplex, I wasn't ready and it made me feel less than I wanted to be. And I was able to get ready. But I thought I could have made decisions that put me in a better situation to be ready for the next opportunity. I knew I wanted to own properties and I wasn't living in a way that would allow. Me. So, the Abraham Lincoln quote If you give me
0: eight hours to drop down a tree, I'll spend the first six sharpening the axe.
1: There you go. Okay. So, it's weird. Like, because that, like, I look back at that overall experience with so much joy and blessing. And I'm so grateful to be here today. But when you talk about, what happened when you receive that text fear anxiety stress when i could have experienced joy opportunity blessing and so i want to be ready for the next opportunity that comes okay so that's where i connect to the pain but i don't i don't believe i'm unhealthily stuffing always sure. i do think i do that sometimes but yeah. i don't think that that's necessarily a chronic habit like a chronic negative habit i just think that i don't ever if I'm learning a lesson, it hurt.
0: Hmm. Interesting. It's interesting you connect your learning to pain, but all right. And never like, there's never like, oh, I learned something out of this really good situation. But hmm.
1: You mean like logically? Too. No, no. I'm just saying. No, my like, wife does all my logically, logical it's, it's things. It's
0: interesting too. that that's... I don't know, just how your perspective on that was interesting. Do you ever go down YouTube rabbit holes? All the time. Okay. What do you watch when you go down YouTube rabbit holes? I
1: recently got on an RV kick where I was passionate about touring the country and was thinking about ways I could try to create space to do that. So were you watching other families? I was watching reviews on RVs. Oh,
0: you're watching RV reviews?
1: Heck yeah. And then I was watching how, you know, people renovating them and selling them and flipping them. And then I realized this was a problem and they're, If you have an RV, I'm so jealous, but if you don't, you need to have a lot of spare cash because they take a lot of, they take a lot of your cash. And so I watched, I literally had to YouTube. Why not to buy an RV to get off the kick because I was all in on buying an RV. (laughs) Okay. And then I recently have been all in on Toyota Highlander hybrids because we might be needing a little bigger second car. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been all in on uh, getting a Cummins diesel truck. So watch a bunch of diesel so truck
0: reviews. None of it's like Key and, and Peel fun stuff. Tonight it was Key okay. and Peel. Okay. okay. Tonight right. I
1: went down the Key and Peel rabbit hole. And okay. let me tell you, they've been putting out some good stuff. Okay. All right. Good. Do you yeah. have a guilty pleasure TV show?
0: Something that you'd be like, oh man, I cannot I don't want people to know I watched this.
1: Uh what's it called? The British Bake Off? Ooh. The great British what is baking this? show and nailed it. They're cooking shows. Okay. They're cooking competition shows. And what are they on Netflix? Or? Yeah, they're on Netflix. They're amazing. Okay, so blows my mind. So the British Bake Off and I, nailed it. Yeah, I think is the title, The Great British Bake Off. Okay, like and nailed.
0: It's a separate show. Yeah, okay. but it's similar. Okay. One's
1: the UK and one's American. Hmm. So cooking competition shows. Yeah. Interesting. Most
0: people wouldn't guess that. I don't think about me. All right, and then the last question. See, I had to like lighten it up because yeah, I appreciate that. We would, you know, we would go there.
1: I appreciate Um, that. If
0: you could have a superpower, what would it be?
1: It's hard because like, flying would be cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Teleporting would be really cool, especially mm-hmm. if you could take people with you. Mm-hmm.
0: Like Harry Potter. That's not a superpower. Though. Harry
1: Potter slash Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nightcrawler is dumb. I'm surprised you didn't go Nightcrawler first. I know, but I don't know. He
0: doesn't get enough respect in the X-Men world. Oh, well, that's true. It's hard to like, yeah. Um,
1: although I kind of feel like the power of it, like if you could have a superpower of influence... That would be really cool too. Like influencing people to do what you want them to do? No, more like getting people to like help people understand the decision they want to make. So like if you, How is this a superpower? Well, I thought teleporting would be
0: cool. Well, yeah, but now you're like, like, well, it'd be really nice to do what I want
1: to do in my professional life as a superpower. Yeah, yeah, that would be the coolest thing. (laughs) If I could be the best at that in the world, I would love that. Okay. Why wouldn't that? Why couldn't that be a superpower? I mean, I guess. Did you want to see that superhero movie? Which one? The one that
0: you're talking about right now. The the superhero? Oh, I (laughs) didn't know it wouldn't be a superhero movie. That's what I'm saying. Honestly,
1: though, it could be a superhero movie. It could be the story of redemption. (laughs) Okay. I could fall to some addiction and then somebody could help me get Mm. out of my funk and then I could influence the world to get out of their funk. Hmm. Okay. Coming to theaters. Change the nation. (laughs) Summer 2021. (laughs) The blockbuster. Watch this guy have a meaningful conversation (laughs) at a kitchen table Uh, in (laughs) (laughs) Southeast Salem. (laughs) These
0: people will reach their goals if it's the last (laughs) thing it does. (laughs) Like, who would be the villain? Like, the villain would just be like, no, bro, just sit on the couch and watch Netflix. <laughs> Negative, it's cool. Nancy. It's cool. You don't have yeah, to do anything. The micromanaging
1: boss. <laughs> watch him battle the micromanaging oh, boss. Oh, Carter. As he takes down one incompetent
0: professional <sighs> at a time. Well, normally at the end of these, I ask people to, uh, you know, plug where you can be found online, but we've already established that you don't like to do anything online. So um, where, you know, I mean, we can't, I guess we can't really plug like future things that might exist, but like if maybe you have a LinkedIn or something, like where would people find out about you if they wanted to,
1: if you want to find out about me, follow my wife Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Okay. at Lauren Carter. Okay. And she also has a blog, the guest room blog. Um, those would be the two places because I have had friends who I can't believe subscribe and read her blog, mm-hmm. who feel like they get to know me better through her blog. Okay. Um even Chad Butler one time messaged Lauren on Instagram about a post about us. Okay. And I was like, he is such a baller for that. Hmm. And so like that's He's, the way to get to know He is me.
0: not a baller for buying tickets to come back home this week, thinking that Thanksgiving was this week and not next <laughs> week. <laughs> which he did do he did do that i found that out but anyway uh yeah. just putting his business all out there sorry yeah. chad yeah but uh well,
1: he's a cool guy
0: for that yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know now he can stay he, an extra week well no, he's going back but anyway <laughs> yeah brutal but he
1: did come home
0: for the holidays even though yeah. it's not the holidays you know he came home to visit yeah um yeah okay
1: so uh the blog the instagram anything else I have an Instagram. If you want to see the adventures of me and my son, it's called Adventures in Finland. Okay. And his name is Finley, so it's Adventures in Finland. Okay. I thought you were gonna shout out your personal Instagram like that. That is last, my personal Instagram. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: You didn't you used to have like a personal, like just a, just your own Instagram. Yeah, it was Jordan loves Lauren. Okay, I was gonna say that was probably. The last pose on there was probably 2015. So yeah, so
1: I, I have you know. some newer ones. Okay. Um, the my the name was Finn the Woods, mm-hmm. like in the woods. Mm-hmm. But apparently it was very confusing and not a good name, mm-hmm. although I believed it to be very clever. Mm-hmm. And so I workshopped mm-hmm. it. Sometimes some clever doesn't work. That is the, the truth. Yeah. So I workshopped it with friends and family, and we came with Adventures in Finland. Okay. And it's just documenting the adventures I have with Finn. Yeah. And it's challenging me to intentionally. Have create moments, memories, and time with my son.
0: Cool. All right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to mention? Say anything
1: before we're done? Um, you know, love to be on the podcast again and just get blasted. Okay. So it was All right. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, if you ever just need like a humble a pie, hum- yeah. Exactly. Humble pie. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate
1: it.